Welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast, where we like to treat marriage like a passionate adventure, not just a giant to-do list. Yes, and for those of you watching on YouTube, welcome to my office setup, where I forgot to turn off the display, but there we go. Hopefully that'll look better for you now. (laughs) (laughs) So I am Sheila Ray Gregoire from the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum blog, and we talk about sex, marriage, all kinds of stuff, and we are in the middle of our sex questions you can't ask your pastor month and so of course naturally I had my daughter join me yes obviously if because you wanted to do anything when you're asking questions you answering questions you couldn't ask your pastor who do you want there but your daughter because that's not weird it's been one daughter or the other all yeah <laughs> and I know a lot of people think it's like weird that we talk about sex together but and it's okay we do too yeah we think it's weird too yeah but you know what it's great and <laughs> and you and your husband work on the blog yes, and we do. now Katie does as well and so we have some awesome questions to get into Let's go. One of the things that we've been talking about this week in particular is that usually when something goes wrong with sex, it doesn't just go wrong with one thing. Like, it's not like, hey, we have this great marriage and this great relationship and we have wonderful kids and we have a wonderful job, but I just can't reach orgasm. Yeah. No, it's like multifaceted. Everything goes wrong all at the same time. And it gets really convoluted. And this week what we were talking about is how to untangle really big issues where it's like everything just feeds off of each other and where do you even start? Exactly. So on Monday I had a post about that and today I thought I could read one and just show you what it might look like. So here we go. I am currently reading The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex and it's helped me understand some things better and start letting go of some of the wrong ideas that the world gives. Yay. Yay for Good Girl's Guide. Okay. I am married for four months but within this time I have miscarried two babies. (sighs) Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Like, imagine starting your marriage that way. Yeah. Okay. I also lost my only sibling about a year before the wedding, so I'm still working through that grief. Yep, that's a lot. Okay. Okay. And my husband told me before the wedding about how he used porn before he got saved, but when he got saved, Jesus helped him break free from that addiction. However, he had also done masturbation along with porn, and he continued to masturbate for years after he was free from porn. He stopped masturbating a while before we got married and hasn't done it again since. He believes that his erectile dysfunction is a consequence of his past sin. Mm-hmm. Okay, you getting the picture of how convoluted this is? See yeah. what I mean about it not just being one problem? He is a wonderful man, and I dearly love him, but I've had a lot of pain with sex, and I've never had an orgasm, and I'm still grieving about my babies. He has tried to be understanding and loving, and that has helped, but I have grief over his erectile dysfunction and bad choices. I grieve over what could have been but never will be. Every time we have sex, I think about my two babies in heaven, praying for a baby that will survive, hang on to God's promises, trying to forget my husband's past and work with EED and enjoy sex all at the same time. And my husband and I have talked about it. He feels like when I bring it up, I'm not accepting him and I'm digging into his past. Jesus forgave him and I do too, but I can't seem to move past it. I think these things are hindering me in my sexual and spiritual life. Are you ready? There's, there's still one more thing. Oh, dear. I'm also on an antidepressant that kills a lot of my sex drive. Oh, poor woman. Yes. Because of this, I will get turned on when he wants to go to sleep, or he will be turned on and try to get me turned on, but I can't. It's like a switch is broken. We go ahead and have sex, and it's fun, but my sex drive is on a different schedule than his, and so much less than it used to be. I feel like we've had a rough start to our marriage. They have. They've had an incredible rough start No wonder you feel that. Yes. I want to have a thriving marriage. We dearly love each other and are determined to make things work, but it's a challenge. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. 
So here's what I said on Monday, and I want to take a step-by-step through this. Yeah. On Monday's post, I looked at the five steps to untangling sex problems. I'm going to put the link to that post in the podcast description, in the YouTube description, wherever you're reading this, it will be there. And please do check out the post on lovehonoredvacuum.com that goes along with this podcast because there's always lots more there. So just check check that out. I will put a link to that post. But here's here are the five steps that I said to untangle. So the number one thing, because w- whenever there's a sex problem... We always think that the problem, like that the, the solution's found in the bedroom. Yes, exactly. So if there's a problem with sex, then you fix sex. Mm-hmm. But what, what you know and what we found when we did our survey of 20,000 women and we just finished writing The Great Sex Rescue. Hooray! Our upcoming book. Yay! Our edits yep, just at the point in. that you're At the point that you're listening to this, we should have sent in our edits already. Yes, we should have just sent them in. But in most cases where there's huge sex problems, there's also huge relationship issues. Yeah, these things don't tend to happen in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And that actually surprised us. Like, we yeah. thought often it was just a sex problem. Yeah, or, or it just honestly was just selfishness or just not prioritizing or anything just more simple. And what we found is that when there are marriages where there's completely sexless, usually there's a pretty clear path mm-hmm. when you look at the data. It was incredibly rare. Um, we found for a woman to be in a sexless marriage where she didn't say that there was at least one major, major issue in the marriage. Right. Or in the bedroom. Right. Now, obviously, we're not talking about a sexless marriage here, but we're just saying that when there are sex problems, it's usually not in isolation. Yeah. And the thing is, especially for women, you need to feel safe in order to enjoy sex. Like, there needs to be all kinds of other things going on, often, not always, but but often for women to enjoy sex. Like, feeling close to your husband is very important mm-hmm. for a good sex life. And so, when there's something going on in your sex life, you don't start with sex, you start with all the other stuff. So the number one thing you do, first of all, is make sure that you're safe. Yes. Make sure that you're physically and emotionally safe. So if there's any abuse going on, that needs to be dealt with. Yeah, that needs to be dealt with before anything else. Safety issues are always the most important. Yeah, call an abuse hotline, uh, call the authorities, get a licensed counselor, whatever it might be. Tell your friends and family so someone knows. Yes. Maybe it's not physical abuse, maybe it's emotional abuse or a lot of anger issues. That's a safety issue as well. Yeah, maybe you're not even sure if what is happening qualifies as abuse, but you just know that it's making you feel horrible, Mm -hmm. you know? Talk to family and friends that you trust. Talk to a licensed counselor. You know, a lot of abuse hotlines even can talk you through figuring out if this is just normal fighting Mm -hmm. or if this is something more sinister. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you've got to make sure you're safe. Second thing is deal with any sin issues. So deal with any addictions, any pornography, any affairs. Those things need to be dealt with first. One of my pet peeves, we wrote about this last year, Mm -hmm. is when there's an affair and you start to say, well, what did you do to make him have an affair? Yeah, exactly. Maybe you just weren't giving him sex enough. You need to give him more sex so that he won't keep having the affair. Maybe you shouldn't be such a nag and then he wouldn't want to sleep with someone else. Right. Like, no. Even if you were a terrible spouse. Even even if you're abusive. Mm Mm-hmm. There's, you do not get to have an affair. If yeah. someone is abusing you, you don't get to sleep with someone else. You divorce the person who's abusing you. Or you yeah, separate. Or you separate or you do something, but you deal with the issue. You don't create a new issue. Exactly. <laughs> so, so there is no excuse for an affair. And if there has been an affair, if there has been porn use, whatever it is, you deal with that 
first. And then you can deal with all the other stuff as well. Because we're not denying that there can't be other stuff. We're just saying deal with the sin first. Whether it's alcoholism, addiction, porn, affairs, etc. Now, if we take her at face value, there aren't any sin issues going on. She said that the porn and masturbation is in the past. Yeah. However. However. (laughs) I do see some red flags here. When she brings it up, he says... Why can't you accept me? Why can't you accept me? And you know what? If you've got erectile dysfunction, that is something that it's okay to ask about. Yeah, it's important to ask about. And it doesn't mean that she's not, like, accepting him or she's rejecting him. What she's saying is, hey, we need to talk about this thing because it's affecting me Mm -hmm. and it's affecting our marriage. And if he's kind of throwing it back on her, like, well, why are, why are you judging me? Why are you being so judgmental? It's like, um, no, dude, you have erectile dysfunction and you used to use porn. Yeah. Sorry, but this is a natural consequence yeah. of your actions. Let's make sure that the porn use and the masturbation isn't ongoing. Yeah. Because I, she has his word for it, but he's also not being open about yeah. it Yeah, and we've had, we've had many men go on our blog who are ex-porn users or ex-sex addicts who have said that one of the biggest things that they have to do as someone who was a porn user in the past or was a sex addict is they need to understand that they have broken trust mm-hmm. and it's their responsibility to prove that trust again and again. And mm-hmm. that means their wives, they're completely allowed to ask at any moment are you watching porn? Yeah. And he doesn't have the right to get angry. Yeah. Because he has yeah. already done it. He's yeah. broken that trust. Mm-hmm. You know? like, And it's not saying you should never be able to trust them again, but part of building that trust back is recognizing when you've done something wrong and when they're asking is not out of the blue. Right. Okay, they've only been married four months. Yes. Erectile dysfunction is not really common no, in it's younger not. people unless there's porn involved. Porn-induced erectile dysfunction or is a big deal. Or there's severe health issues. Or there's some severe health issues. Morbid obesity Diabetes, or diabetes or stuff like that. Okay? Yeah. So if he's got erectile dysfunction, what likely happened is that for years he paired his sexual response, sexual arousal, with pornography and with his own self-stimulation. Yep. And now his body can't respond to just her. That's an issue. And and we don't know that this isn't still ongoing. No, we don't. Because a lot of people, once they stop masturbating, it doesn't always take that long for yeah, the erectile this is, dysfunction if to stop. He's, if he's honestly saying that he's gone years without masturbating mm-hmm. or... Like, even months, right? Yeah. Like, she, she said, I think she said that he stopped masturbating a while before they started dating. I'm assuming that they dated for about a year minimum before yeah. they were married. So, mm-hmm. if we're really saying that a guy went over, who was used to masturbating heavily. Yeah. Went over a year without masturbation and now he's married and he can't maintain an erection. That, to me, is the big red flag. Because mm-hmm. either, it seems to me like either there's something that's being hidden from his wife, or there's serious health issues that need to be dealt with, like, immediately. Yeah, yeah. So I would say definitely deal with it. And you just simply say to him, look, you know what? I know this is uncomfortable to talk about. Yep. But if you're getting erectile dysfunction, and you're a young guy, and you're not morbidly obese... It's likely because of porn and masturbation, so I need to be reassured this isn't an ongoing problem. Yeah, and also you need to be reassured that your husband doesn't have, like, a heart condition. Yes. Like, a lot of men, erectile dysfunction is the first sign of congenital heart issues that don't mm-hmm. show up until, like, your mid-20s. Yeah. You know? Like, that's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Like, if the pecker's not working for <laughs> any reason, you check out the pecker. It's like the, it's like the canary in the coal mine. The pecker is the canary in the coal mine. <laughs> if it stops singing... Get it seen, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's it's because, okay, your body has blood, which carries oxygen and all kinds of stuff to different parts of your body. And if, if your heart isn't working the best, then your body says, 
huh, what parts of me need the blood the most? Yes, and your lungs and your brain and your heart are always going to win out over the pecker. But, and so, and so, and so if, if, if that's not working the best, it could be a circulatory problem. you got to see a doctor. Yes, please do. But, and also remember that this is also important, not just if you're young. Like, if you are older, if you're in your late 50s, if you're in your 60s, if this starts to happen... It's mm-hmm. not always just a cause of age. Because it is a cause of age, but it's a cause of age because circulation and your heart gets weaker with age. Yeah. So it's the first sign a lot of times that your heart needs to be seen by someone. Okay? Yeah, and just because you're like in your late 50s or early 60s, which is looking younger and younger the older I get, by yes. the way. Um, but just because you're in your late 50s and early 60s doesn't mean that you want to live with, with circulatory problems. No. And, there, and people do get heart attacks yeah. in their 60s and 70s. So if anything ever happens with... Yeah. The penis with yeah. the pecker yeah. with the dingling. Like yeah. just, just see a doctor for yes. Pete's sake. Yes. I know it's embarrassing, but as a woman, I have so little patience for this. Because do you know what I've had to go through <laughs> having a kid? Like, do you know what pelvic floor physiotherapy is? Like, yeah. I'm sorry. There are, like, all I'm saying is like, dudes, just get it seen. Yeah, like yeah. just go. Yeah, but again, I'm thinking that this isn't a physical thing. Yeah. I'm thinking that this is more porn Yes. Interest. And so we need to make sure that that is not ongoing. And yes, that's, a conversation that's really important. Okay, so number one, make sure you're safe. Number two, make sure there's no sin issues. Deal with the sin issues. Number three, deal with your relationship. Like, seriously, you know, when there's this many problems, it can feel like your whole marriage is a problem. And, yep. And then there's just so much tension and... When stuff is just not going right, go back to something you know how to do really well. Exactly. Because you don't want your marriage to become one of the most stressful things in your life. You want your marriage to be the safe haven from the stressful things, even if the stressful things are sex issues. Yeah. Because you know what you do know how to do really well is you know how to be friends. Mm-hmm. Because ch- you chances are before you got married, at least I sure hope, you were really good friends. You liked each other. Yeah. And so we need to go back to that. Get some hobbies. Spend some time going for walks. Talk to each other every day. Just go back to being friends. Because if you can bring the tension level down in your relationship, then you can start to have those conversations about the porn masturbation and everything else too and which is what she's going through you can also deal with a lot of this grief about the miscarriages because that's Mm -hmm. a huge problem yeah grief about the loss of her sibling grief with the loss of her of her two children grief grief with it's just a lot this poor woman's going through right like and so if you're friends you can talk about it. You can be close. You can kind mm-hmm. of turn to each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just deal with the sex stuff first, because the sex is the problem, so you only deal with sex and you don't focus on the relationship, your relationship gets more and more just strained as you keep having this awful mm-hmm. sex. And also your sex life stays kind of yeah. bad, yeah. you know? And so yeah. if you focus on your relationship and your marriage first, sure, sex might still be bad for a while. We're not saying go for a walk and you'll have the best sex of your life. That's not what we're saying. No. But what we are saying is that while the sex is difficult, at least you're doing it with your best friend mm-hmm. and not kind of just another source of stress. Yeah. So that's number three. Number four is look at your life and if there are things which are contributing stress which you can get rid of, do that. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, we have these sex problems but we also have something else going on that's just making life miserable. And if we could just deal with that, yep. then sex would be so hard. Like, maybe you have kids who don't sleep. Yeah. Sleep if, train. If you have kids yeah. who don't sleep 
and you're exhausted all the time, and then you have no sex drive. <laughs> like, there's, like, there's a pretty linear path there. Yeah, like maybe it's because of that. And um, there's great ways. And sleep training does not mean you let it, them We're cry not out saying and lock your, the kid in the room. No, no. There's it. It doesn't mean that. There at are all. gentle ways to teach a kid how to sleep. That's what we did with Alex. Yeah, and he sleeps amazing. He does. Seriously, you put him down in a crib, wide awake. Yeah. And this child puts himself to he sleep. He rolls around with his stuffed dog for like three minutes, and then he just throws his dog to the other side of the crib. Literally throws his mm-hmm. dog to the other side of the crib. Rolls over onto his belly and falls asleep. Yeah. Like, really. And yeah. You, yeah. So there are ways that you can that you can teach your kids to sleep. Maybe you're stressed because of job issues. I know during mm-hmm. COVID there's not a lot we can do about that. But, you know, maybe you could, you could move to a cheaper community. Maybe you could move closer to people who can help you with childcare, whatever it might be. If there is something in your life that is causing you stress that you could deal with yes. and deal with it. In her case, one of the things she's got going on is um, she's on an antidepressant, which is lowering her sex drive. Never, ever, ever play with your medications without a doctor. Please, Please do, do not. Do Don't not. just go off them either. There are some kinds of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications where if you go off of them, they often have quite bad side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to kind of wean yourself off. Yeah. So talk to your doctor, talk to your psychiatrist. There might just be a better option for mm-hmm. her. There are lots of different options of antidepressant medications, anti-anxiety medications. Sometimes you just need a new formula. It also might just be that this medication is the best for her and they've yeah. already tried everything else and everything else had like the way worse side <laughs> effects because I'm telling you there are some really negative side effects. Like this is why like they are amazing medications that are really important for people who are who are sick but like you don't want to mess with them without a doctor's help. No. Seriously. No. But the other thing that we got pounded into our heads all through my, my um, university degree when I, I studied psychology, every single class pounded into our head medication together with talk therapy. The medication just on its own is not nearly as effective as it, mm-hmm. it is when it's paired with actually seeing a therapist and actually talking things through. The two mm-hmm. together, cognitive behavioral therapy plus medication has the best outcomes for mood disorders such as depression. Mm-hmm. So if you're on a medication that is ruining your libido, the way to get off the medication is to do it together with therapy. Not just get off the medication. You be on that medication for as long as you need to be. But mm-hmm. there is a way, uh, most people are not on antidepressants their entire life. When you look at the studies, if you do a combination of talk therapy and medication, it might be years, it might be a long time. Your mood gets way better, your motivation mm-hmm. goes up when you combine these things with therapy. Yeah. So please see both. Yeah, licensed um, therapist, yeah. find someone that you can talk to. Licensed. Very important, very licensed. important. And if she's been through these miscarriages and the death of her sibling, my goodness. Celebrate that you have medication to help your yeah. brain sort yeah. itself out. Like, this yeah. is totally reasonable. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Okay, so once we've done those four things, so yeah. then number five is deal with the sex issue. Yes. Here we go. So once you're safe, you know, there's no sin issues. You've worked on your friendship. You're able to laugh again. You've gotten rid of any stress that you can. Now we can really get down and work on the sex issues. And one of the things I want to say to her is, you know, you've been married four months. Yeah. Lots of people have bad sex lives at four months. And I'm not trying to say, you know, nothing to worry about or et cetera, et cetera. But when I did my surveys for the Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, I found that the best years for sex and marriage were years 16 to 24. Like for a lot of people, it takes a while for sex to work well. Now, I don't think it should have to take anyone 16 years. No. And I hope that you all pick up 31 days to great sex because it can help make that process much faster. Okay. But I think that if we understood that for most couples, sex is a journey mm-hmm. of exploring together and it doesn't necessarily start out great, but that doesn't mean it isn't going to get 
great. And if we can just keep that perspective, it can help things along. I'm not trying to downplay what she's going through because most people at four months have not gone through what she has gone most through. Most people in like four years no. of marriage have not gone through what this poor <laughs> but, woman has gone through. But I think sometimes when you've been through all that, you think that's the reason my sex life is terrible. When really, you know, even if you hadn't had the miscarriages and even if you hadn't had all this other stuff, you still might be going through some problems because most people do. Yeah, it's just part of the newlywed phase for a lot of people. Yeah. And so just have a lot of grace with each other. Mm-hmm. Have a lot of grace with yourself. And I hope that you can get through this. Yeah. And I think I think you can just keep talking, keep that friendship up, and get some help. Are we ready for question two? Do you want to read this one? I'll read question two. Okay. I've married for almost two decades to a wonderful man. Both of us were virgins when we were married, and we read The Act of Marriage and Sheet Music before our wedding night. We have podcasts where we read The Act of Marriage, so you don't have to. Yes, we do. (laughs) We will put links to those. Very interesting. (laughs) We now have a bunch of kids who are past the baby stage. I expected to be really into sex when I got to this stage, but unfortunately, I am rarely ever in the mood. Um, We schedule sex two times a week now, um, and I always orgasm multiple times during foreplay, and the experience is always pleasurable, so why don't I like sex? Okay, so, so far... This sounds like a normal question. Normal libido issues. Okay. Right? Now, let's... Okay. Yes. So here we get into why it made this podcast. My husband has an obsession with nudity. He loves to be naked himself, sleep naked, shower naked, swim naked if he can, and loves if I get naked with him inside or outside. Okay, so far in my mind, this is... A lot of guys just like to be free. That's fine. We're naked and not ashamed. No problem with that. Okay. He's also fascinated with nude art. In the past, he's looked up photos online of couples showering outside, women getting massages, etc. to satisfy his thirst for it. He also has a whole portfolio of naked photos he's taken of me that he looks at every week, if not every day. Is this normal? Am I the one that's got a problem? I've become almost turned off at his naked body because it feels like he wants me to see, touch, etc. and I don't want to. I hate this. Okay. So you thought this was a normal question (laughs) at first. And it just keeps going. Yes. All right. Can I just can I just go off on just a little bit of yes. a rant for a minute? If if someone has a bunch of naked pictures of you, that is not good. Like I think that it's okay to take those back. Like if you're not comfortable with that, yeah, then go, yeah. Because here's the thing: what if even if even if I'm not talking about a moral thing here, let's 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 erase the moral bit from the discussion for a minute. Let's just yeah. get totally practical. Yeah. What if you were to die in a flaming car crash with your husband tonight and your kids go through your computer? Okay? Like, if, if I were to die, you would be the one going through my computer. Yes, I would. And you know what? You don't have to worry that there are naked pictures of I me am on my computer. I am eternally grateful. <laughs> like, because you don't know. Like, like people can see your your stuff. And well, and all... also, I've seen I've seen that a lot of people save their naked photos or things like tax files or something. But if you're going through your parents' stuff, you're actually looking for the tax documents. Yeah. <laughs> Mortgage information. And, you know, if they're up in the cloud, the cloud can get hacked. Like, different things can happen. Like, you just don't want that out there. It's just not safe. And, like, I don't think there's anything immoral about having naked photos of your spouse or taking them for your spouse. And so if you're willing to risk it and if you're like, you know what, it's unlikely to happen. And so if it ever did, you know, 
I'm okay yeah, if with they're that. on encrypted files or, or something, like, or, whatever. Or if you decide that it's worth the risk, then okay. Mm-hmm. But if if you're uncomfortable with it, like, he, she sounds like she's not thrilled with the fact that he has yeah. photos. And to me, okay, like, I'm reading a little too much into this potentially. Okay. But if you have a dude who's obsessed with nudity to the point that he's, like, Googling, like, couples showering together and just drinking it all in. Yeah. Like, and she says that he has a portfolio of photos he's taken of her. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like she did, like, a boudoir photo shoot shoot for him. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like while she was naked, he took photos of her. Mm -hmm. Because that's what she said. Photos he took of me. Yeah. Right? Like, mm. like, a lot of these things this guy's into aren't bad. Right? Okay, like, if you're a couple who lives in this cute little cottage out in the country where you're next door neighbors are like, you know, an acre away or something. You want to freely frolic <laughs> in the freedom of being free in the outdoors with your spouse, skipping through the grasses, fully free, embracing under stars. Like, you do you, for Pete's sake. There's nothing yes. wrong with nudity. Check there, for ticks afterwards. Check for ticks <laughs> everywhere. Um, <laughs> no, but, like, there's nothing wrong with that. If you, you want to go skinny dipping with your spouse, like... Mm-hmm. Ah, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But then also, like, obsessively poring over photos of your spouse naked and Google searching pictures of other people naked. Or women getting massages. Women getting massages. Like, that's just odd. Like, and I'm someone who's super into Renaissance art, okay? Like, I love it. And everyone's naked. Yeah. Right? Like, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not like I go and just stand there like, oh, yeah, I'm naked. Like, it's (laughs) like, you know, there's a difference here. Right. And that's the issue. It's like, when you are uncomfortable, listen to that. Yeah. Because there might be a reason. And I think that because we're so scared that marriages are going to just fall apart, right? Because we have so much invested in them. We don't want to trust our intuition when something's going wrong. Because if we trust our intuition, then what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if we listen to the little voice that's going like, eh, this isn't okay. Ah, he shouldn't be looking for big boob shower with husband naked. Or, like, whatever. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there are these these kinds of things that are just playing in the back mm-hmm. of our heads. We're like, well, maybe this is normal. Maybe we aren't supposed to be ashamed of our bodies. Like, no, we're not. Right. But that yes. does not mean that this is normal. Yes. You know? And, and so I would just say, you can, you can set some boundaries. You can yeah. say, I would like my pictures back. When you stare at pictures of couples showering together and then you want to have sex, I am not interested in having sex after you do that. Like Whatever it might be, you can set up boundaries. You can suggest you see a licensed counselor together mm-hmm. or insist on it if this is an ongoing issue. Like, it's okay for you to feel this is weird. Yeah, and if you're uncomfortable with something that your spouse is doing, just talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Maybe you'll see a licensed therapist and you'll realize, hey, it isn't actually an issue. Like, it isn't it isn't what I thought it was. And that's great. So it's not like, like, sometimes you just need to talk to someone and then you might even realize, hey, it isn't, it isn't what I thought it was. Yeah. But, but talk then. Yeah, like, like okay, don't... for instance, I had a very good friend when I was in university who was a sketch artist who solely did nude portraits. Mm-hmm. That was just what they did, mm-hmm. okay? And it honestly was not sexual. Yeah. It was completely non-sexual. It was just art. Right. You know, but if you looked at his Google search history, it might look a little bit yeah. Yeah. odd. But at the same time, you have 
other people who are searching the same things for a different motivation, and that mm-hmm. can be what's wrong. That's why nudity in and of itself is not wrong. But this sounds like a fetish. But this, I was going to say, this sounds more fetishized. This does not sound yeah. like my friend who was just trying to figure out how to properly, you know, draw buttocks. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I would get concerned. Okay. Question three. My husband and I have been married for almost two decades, and we've hit some rough times the last three years, mostly because I had become vocal about my husband being so detached and emotionally unavailable. (laughs) Ironically enough, I had just realized he doesn't consider any of my needs, sexual or otherwise, the week prior to your posts about sex and her needs and redefining sex. That was a great series, by the way. I will put a link to the series on the definition of sex and why godly sex should be mutual. Very important series. Okay. I have cried many tears and we've had many conversations regarding the issues. My husband has always had a lower sex drive. I have a high sex drive. Four years ago, he had his testosterone levels checked and it was very low, so it made sense. He's been on testosterone supplements since. About two months ago, suddenly my husband stopped getting morning wood and had trouble getting erections. That's like men usually or often wake up with erections in the morning. And uh, so she's saying that, and it doesn't mean that they're sexually turned on. That's not what it is. But anyway, very common. But he stopped getting this and it's never happened before. He promises he has never looked at porn. Although when we first got married, I found an abundance of porn on his computer. He says that he didn't know about that and it had been automatically downloaded from a website he used to download music and games. I am not a tech person, so I have no idea if this is possible. Yeah. He also says he has never masturbated. I find it odd that out of nowhere he can't get erections even when I give him a handjob or anything else. We were going every two to three weeks between having sex, so I don't understand how he can't have erections suddenly. Even when he does get hard, it isn't as hard as it used to be. And then he will suddenly go soft. Obviously, neither of us can finish. The first night I asked, hey, babe, what's up? The next couple of times it happened, he had every other excuse in the book. Mm -hmm. I shared my concerns with him. He told me he doesn't know why his libido is low, why he has no interest. I asked again about porn and masturbation or if he has cheated, and he promised me it was none of those issues. Then two weeks later, he comes home from work. We put our kiddos to bed, and he's totally interested and had a normal erection, and sex was very pleasurable. I am so confused. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Again, erections, erections, erections. It could honestly... Just use that as a soundbite. Yes. Just, <laughs> it could honestly be circulatory yep. problems. He did have low testosterone, yep. uh, so he does have some issues there. He could be having intermittent erectile dysfunction. In younger men, it can come and go. It isn't all the time. So the fact that it was happening and now it's not happening, that doesn't necessarily mean it's porn or something like that. I think, again, go see a doctor. Yes. Again, like we have said before, if it's not working, see someone. Yes. And women, we just have to start insisting on this. I don't know why men don't want to go. I I think a lot of guys are just as scared that they're going to get bad news or something. Yeah, or they're embarrassed because, quite frankly, like, men don't grow up expecting to have someone look at them all the time, whereas Mm -hmm. women, like, know we're going to have kids if we want to. And we have to go... You have to do all the this stuff and like, constantly. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just in general more invasive to be a woman from like, <laughs> like you know, get go the get go. Yeah. So it's I think it's just there's a difference there. But don't put up with not seeing a doctor. Just yeah. just don't just don't. Yeah, you gotta go see. Now, as for whether it could be something else, okay. <laughs> so they got married like you know in the early two thousands. From, from their letter, right? Uh-huh. So, like, sure, we're in the era of Napster, okay? Right, uh-huh. And 
there were a lot of websites where if you downloaded something in the same folder that downloaded all of your music, it would also download download pornography. That was mm-hmm. totally a thing, okay? But <laughs> if that was a thing, then like how do you know exactly where it came from unless you have seen it? Yeah. Like I'm just like Oh, there's porn in your computer. Oh, that's the Napster porn. The porn from Napster. The porn that got downloaded specifically from Napster when I downloaded some songs from Napster. The Napster porn. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, it's like that. It's like, okay, that was a very convenient answer. Yes. Not, wow, I don't know, maybe my, one of my roommates in college used the computer. I don't know. Like, not saying he should have thought of a better excuse. I'm just saying, that if you know where it's from, mm-hmm. you've probably seen it. Yes. And also, like... Why wouldn't you have just deleted it? Yes. Like, I, this guy was watching porn. Yeah. And like, it, there was a lot of images, apparently, not just some. So, yes. Yeah. And so I'm thinking that this is very likely something that he has kept secret. And For a long time. Again, needs to be dealt with. You just yeah. say, hun, I'm concerned about this. I think that you're physically having symptoms of having used porn. We have had it on your computer, and I think that it is okay for me to be concerned, and mm-hmm. I would like for us to talk to someone about it. Yep. And that's all right to say. Yes, it is. Yes. And also, like, if this guy honestly has been using porn for, like, you know, 15 years and hiding mm-hmm. it from his wife, and then she's been bugging him about it so much because the erectile dysfunction is so bad now that he can't ignore it, maybe he did just stop cold turkey, like, two weeks ago. Right. You know? And then, because for a lot of guys, even if they've been habitual porn users for years... Just stopping and having no masturbation and no porn, uh, it brings your sex drive back. It does. Pretty quickly. Yeah. That's the good news about a lot of this stuff is if you honestly stop, your mm-hmm. body and your brain do know how to recuperate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It doesn't happen in all cases. No, it doesn't. If there's been habitual... But the vast use, majority. But yeah. The vast majority uh, will are, are totally fine yeah. afterwards. And so maybe that's the case. But the other thing is, like, you know, if things have been bad for a long time in the sex department and all of a sudden it's working again it's mm-hmm. also okay to ask why yeah like maybe he's just sick and tired of being on it on on his back about this and mm-hmm. he watched whatever can get him erect before going to see her yeah like there are people mm-hmm. who will do that and that's so, true like did he was he looking at porn right before he came into the bedroom yeah like if yeah. he can only because sometimes if you've been watching porn for a long time sometimes there's there's only one specific thing that can get you aroused right that's where fetishes come into play right if he does have something like that and he was like well i just i can't have her find out about it and so i'm just gonna make it seem like everything's okay like mm-hmm. you can also be suspicious of a very convenient fix Right. You know, because no matter what, even if he did stop porn, and that's why this is working, and that's great, mm-hmm. you can't just pretend that it never happened because relapses mm-hmm. are a big thing, and he needs accountability, and he needs people to know what's going on so that he can have someone to turn to if he ever has um, an issue again. Right. So, whether it's a medical issue, he needs to see a doctor. Yes. <laughs> if it's a porn issue, you still need to deal with it yep. and see someone. So, this this is, she's she's right to be concerned. And again... When we feel like something's off and am I making too big a deal out of this or is this something real? You know, if you feel awkward, if you feel like something's wrong, it is okay to say something about it. Yeah, just speak up. It's your marriage too. Yeah. Now, yay, we have a sponsor. Yay! Yay! 
first sponsor. First sponsor for the podcast. Ron and Anne Mains host A Better Us, an awesome TV show to help your marriage thrive. And I have known Anne for many years. Uh, I've been on 100 Huntley Street with her. She's an amazing woman. Last year, Anne went through a harrowing journey with breast cancer, complete with chemotherapy and all the side effects that go along with it. And I know many of you have gone through that as well. During her battle with cancer, Anne wrote a series of devotionals that are now available in book form. Coffee with Him, Mornings with God on an Unexpected Journey is a 31-day devotional book to help you in a period of grief, stress, or questioning God when you're found in a place you never wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So maybe for some of you it's cancer, maybe for some of you it's having two miscarriages in four months. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever else it is, we all have a lot of stuff to carry. And even just in the middle of this pandemic, everyone's got so much stress. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever is going on, Mm -hmm. just checking out this book, this devotional series might help you kind of grapple with some of those difficult Mm -hmm. questions that were often too hard to ask. And get so raw and real with God. And that's what we're supposed to do. It's okay to get raw and real. (laughs) And she wrote an amazing post for us on Tuesday. There are links in that post to see the book trailer and more about this book, which you are going to want to help you as you go through difficult times. So check out Coffee with Him, Mornings with God on an Unexpected Journey by Anne Maines. Okay, so now question four. Question four. Question four. My husband and I recently separated due to his alcoholism and emotional and sexual abuse of me. My deep hope is for repentance and redemption, but reality is that I have no idea what the future holds. Oh, poor woman. Yeah. But she got help. Yep, she's doing great. She got away from the guy who was hurting her, and she's not coming back until she knows it's safe, and she's accepted the fact that might never happen. Right, so she's being realistic. Yep. Since being separated, I have struggled at times with missing him, and honestly, I miss having sex. I don't think we talk about that enough. No, as in ever. Yeah. Like, when people separate... Even if it's for very good reasons, like for this woman, that's a lot that you're missing out on. And it's di- you can't just turn that part of yourself off, mm-hmm. you know, so that's really challenging. I've long believed that masturbation isn't absolutely wrong if honestly done without lust, but it never held much appeal for me. I also grew up in a very conservative culture where masturbation was considered deeply evil, and I know I carry hangups from that. I have considered masturbating when I feel particularly in need of release, but I never have because I want to determine my course of action based on what's right, not just what feels good. Part of me thinks it would be wise to masturbate before I see him if I'm feeling particularly aroused. For the record, we've never had sexual contact since separating, but I feel like my hormones cloud my judgment. And when I say see him, I'm referring to church, family events, or necessary contact for our children seeing him. Obviously, masturbation is a poor substitute for the real deal, but I don't have any way to rightfully have that at this point. I don't want to retrain myself towards solo sex, but I also don't want my judgment clouded by hormones or the effect of trauma bonding. So what do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hard. That is hard. And I I find this a really difficult topic because I do think, as we've seen with many of these other reader questions, when you habitually masturbate for a long period of time, you really can distort your sex drive, distort your sexual response, and it can become a problem. And of course, if lust is involved, it can become a problem. But that being said, I don't know that it's always as black and white. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about this earlier, you, you thought of a verse, which I hadn't even thought of, that might refer to this. Yeah, okay, because we were disagreeing on this a bit, because you were yes. saying that uh, we kind of just need to accept that things are hard, and maybe like even if it's hard not to masturbate, that might be the right choice, mm-hmm. right? And I was just saying that 
You know, in Corinthians, Paul advises the church to eat before they meet for communion mm-hmm. so that their hunger does not cause them to sin. Right. And I just see a lot of parallels here. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, like everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, mm-hmm. but not everything is constructive. That's also in Corinthians, right? Yes. So this, in my mind, is something that is permissible and the question is whether or not it's beneficial or constructive. And in this case, if her mm-hmm. sexual hunger is putting her at risk of, you know, hurting herself or of doing something that she she thinks is wrong or harmful, why not just deal with the sexual hunger before the temptation occurs, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. this is a woman who, for all intents and purposes, never expected to have to go without sex until she was very, very old. Yeah. Like, and that was, is, and that was taken from her. And that was taken from her by the person who she is now kind of at risk of harming herself with again. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's not her choice to not have sex. It was his choice to harm her and take that away from her. Right. And right. so that's where I see this as being something where like, if, if I knew her, I'd probably be like, yeah, just, just go, just go take care of yourself. Before you're seeing this dude. Because this could be something where you're protecting yourself from harm, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this woman's in an impossible situation. And she's not saying she wants to just masturbate all the time, like, you know, before breakfast and twice before dinner. Like, that's not Mm -hmm. what we're talking about here. We're talking about when she was saying that, like, sometimes she's just really, really horny, for lack of a better word, you know? And you're meeting with this guy who's incredibly manipulative, who's sexually abusive, but who she has incredibly deep bonds with. Right. Right? And so Mm -hmm. you don't think that an abuser is going to notice if his wife is having a hard time saying no or his his ex-wife, they're they're still together but not, um, is going to have a... He's not going to notice that and take advantage of it. He's an abusive man. Yeah. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. take the power away. Yeah. That's kind of what I think anyway. Yeah. And, you know, you you very well may be right. I don't have a good answer for this one. I I really don't. I, I think that in general... You don't want to get into the situation for the long haul, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it's healthy in the long term. I also don't think that we should be going around condemning people for it either. Yeah. And I think so much of it depends on on what you're really doing. Like, are you watching porn and masturbating to that? I mean, yeah, that's a whole different just, category. Yeah. Because, of course, every time you're using porn, you are contributing to sex trafficking. So yes. real people are getting hurt. Never forget that. So, But I don't think this is this has an easy answer. So I, I would just tell her, sometimes you just got to go with, believe that, that you know Jesus <laughs> and go with your gut maybe. And I, I, I have a hard time making a pronouncement about that one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the thing is we're not God. No, no, no. So we're telling you what we think, but ultimately we all need to go to God. And and, and ultimately you have your own wisdom and discernment. Yeah. Like, and if you ever disagree with what someone is saying, ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. Um, work through it yourself. Because the, the why might be because of shame or false beliefs that you have that you need to shed. Mm-hmm. But the why also might be that the person you're listening to is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they're right 95% of the time. Like, I mean, I'm personally right. Like, 996 <laughs> seven percent of the time that was sarcasm for anyone who doesn't get that yeah but no but even if the person you're listening to whether it's an author or a speaker or a pastor is generally right like you're allowed to exercise your own wisdom and discernment yeah so i love your questions i love trying to answer them but just remember i'm not jesus and neither is rebecca (laughs) no definitely not (laughs) 
So those were our difficult sex questions you can't ask your pastor. Remember that when there are really tough questions, often we need to untangle a lot of stuff. So check out that post from Monday on the five steps to do that. Mm -hmm. Check out lots of stuff on the blog. We've had a great time this month talking about weird newlywed sex questions last week, untangling stuff this week. And there's more to come next week when we get into our Start Your Engine More for Guys as well. My husband's busy writing a post today too for that. Visit tolovehonorvacuum.com. Check out the post. Check out what goes along with this podcast. And if you are watching on YouTube, remember to subscribe. Yay for our YouTube podcasters. And if you are listening anywhere else, please leave a five-star review and a uh, comment because that always helps other people find the podcast. So thank you for joining us. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire along with Rebecca, and we will be back next week on another edition of To Love, Honor, and Vacuum.